everyone and welcome to the social contract a commander podcast i'm mike almond and joining me is my co-host alex lap alex what's up man not too much mike today we have a bit of a forbidden episode we're going to be talking about banned cards not just the ban list by itself but you know some kind of combination of you know what we would change uh on that so expect a lot of discussion about the individual cards and play styles today so we're kind of looking over what we would do differently and to do that let's get right down into the meat of things and that means we need to know what the ban list is and the reason for it so alex that you you wanted to kind of tackle this as a whole as the expert as well as kind of discuss the uh the mission statement of the ban list at the same time so go ahead sure mike and just one thing i would like to get out of the way uh, sure right off the bat here is that the Rules Committee, which is the governing body for Commander, uh, they're volunteers, and they have Mm -hmm. a difficult job. We're not trying to come in and say, oh, we could do this job better, we know what's best. This is is just kind of a flight of fancy. If we were in charge, what would we change? We're not saying that the RC is bad at their job or anything like that. We're just trying to have a little bit of fun here. We don't know better, and they're not getting paid for this. We're not critiquing them so much as providing... It's not even constructive criticism at that point. It, it, it's more of a, this is, like this is we what were, we would do. If we were the commander yeah. guys, what would we If we, we were involved, yeah. what, what, what cases would we bring up? I like it. Right. All right. So let's talk a bit about the RC's ban list philosophy. Um, because commander is set up a little bit differently from every other official format for Wizards of the Coast in that the the format is not managed by Wizards. There is a, a Wizards delegate on the Rules Committee, but that's only mm-hmm. one person um, in, in the whole group. And the result of that is that this format has basically been created independently and, and managed independently. Right. And, and as such, they have a different philosophy for why cards should be banned than other formats do. In other formats, you might see bans related to uh, stalling the game out for tournament reasons or, or having problems related to tournaments. That wouldn't really come into play in an EDH. Uh, right. Because we don't really have tournaments. Hey, that would be difficult. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's not like a legacy advisory committee or anything like that. It, it, there's the commander advisories. So we have the RC who are the, okay. the big kahunas. They're basically the uh, the board of directors for the for the format. And then okay. below them, we have the commander advisory group. And the commander advisory group is full of community liaisons yeah. who are themselves not experts in the game, but they have a vested interest in the continuing growth and sustainability of the format and are, are effectively the voice of the players is what they're meant to be. They don't have a a vote. They don't get to sit in the meetings where, where the RC decides what are we banning, what rules are we changing. They're just advisors. So let's let's talk a little bit about why the RC bans cards or why they say they ban cards. 
And I'm going to go ahead and read right off of the website here, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Say that the goal of the ban list is not to regulate competitive play or power level, which are decisions that are best left to individual play groups. The ban list seeks to demonstrate which cards threaten the positive player experience at the core of the format or prevent players from reasonable self-expression. The primary focus of the list is on cards which are problematic because of their extreme consistency, ubiquity, and or ability to restrict others' opportunities. And they go on to say, no single rule can establish criteria for a ban. There are many mitigating or exacerbating factors. Some cards will represent an extreme on a single axis. Others are a confluence of multiple smaller issues. The following list isn't exhaustive, nor is it a checklist, but it represents ways in which cards challenge the positive experiences players look for in Commander games. It includes cards which easily or excessively, and then they have a list, which cause severe resource imbalances, Mm -hmm. which allow players to win out of nowhere, which prevent players from contributing to the game in a meaningful way, which cause other players to feel that they must play certain cards, even though they are also problematic, which are very difficult for other players to interact with, especially if doing so requires dedicated, narrow responses when deck building, which interact poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format or the specific rules of Commander, and finally, which lead to repetitive gameplay. Cards which are banned likely meet a few of these criteria in a significant way. Not all cards which meet some of the criteria need to be banned. And in closing, they say, we prefer to be conservative with what goes on or comes off of the ban list. Commander players often become emotionally attached to their decks through play and personalization, and we value that highly. We only want to disrupt that bond when necessary. Now, Mike, what's what's your impression of that philosophy? The philosophy itself, I I appreciate as kind of a overarching statement. Hey, we want to do this because it's not specifically about power. It's uh, the things that we want to ban is because we don't want the game to get stale. We want it to be approachable. I I totally get that, and I think one of the things that you and I are going to get into some discussions and potentially even some debates over on the actual cards we're going to be talking about today are because using that philosophy is taking a very, very broad spectrum approach to a very, very wide selection of cards that do specific things and then trying to tie like this card does this and that kind of means that it's not what we want to do in our philosophy so we will ban it and then another card that does the same thing or worse well we're not going to worry about that because it doesn't approach what we were talking about in the same way or because well we already banned this other card that does it's a very very nice way of saying we're gonna ban stuff because it, it it takes this game and doesn't put the right kind of feel to it i i love the idea of we're not talking about power level that's something that you guys have to decide at the table that's a play group decision i adore that starting with that and then everything else i uh, i don't know it's i appreciate the thought but like all things when you have this many cards and you have this many rules and then you keep adding more cards that kind of push the format and push the game and try and make things faster and more competitive. It's like hurting all of the cats in the entire world and hoping that none of them scratch you. So I I, I don't 
I, I don't, uh, I, I feel no jealousy for the position that they're in. <laughs> Absolutely, Mike. This, again, to reiterate, this is a very hard job. There are over 25,000 legal cards in the game of Commander. And you're right, I certainly don't envy them. But you bring up a good point, And that is that there are certain things that aren't stated in this philosophy document that are relevant to putting a good context onto the band cards we're going to talk about. And the first one is, like you said, they tend to have what I would affectionately call a crucifixion mindset. And that basically means what you described. They will pick a card which they feel exemplifies a specific strategy or play style or line that in their minds is particularly problematic, perhaps due to violating one or mm-hmm. more of the of the points we talked about. And then very similar cards to those will not be banned. Um, right. And that really goes to the heart of what I personally feel, and this is speculation, is the number one priority of the rules committee, and that is a small ban list which is seldom altered. To me, having been in this yeah. format for for as long as I have, I feel that the rules committee prioritizes a small ban list which is seldom altered above almost anything else. They really don't like to ban cards and they really don't like to unban cards. And you've noticed this, Mike. Uh, we might talk about this later in the episode. Banning and unbanning in Commander is a very rare event. We're talking like oh, once yeah. every one or two years, maybe. If it's once a year, it's a big thing. But there's there's a couple of other corollaries to that. Because the Rules Committee really doesn't like to remove cards from the ban list, they're very, uh, they have a lot of older rules, older philosophies that, sure. that the Rules Committee used to have that they no longer believe in. But because of their, their policy to not modify the ban list as much as possible, those very old cards, which perhaps today they wouldn't ban, do in fact remain on the ban list for a deprecated reason. One of those reasons, for example, they used to ban cards that were extremely expensive. And that wasn't they wouldn't ban every right. extremely expensive card. But if a card was kind of problematic and also super pricey, they would use that as a as a weighting factor and say, okay, we probably want to ban this card. They don't do that anymore. But those older cards still remain on the list. So Mike, do you have any closing thoughts before we get into the to our alterations itself? When you talk about just the bullet point list where they say they don't want to have cards where you can easily or excessively cause resource imbalances, allow players to win out of nowhere, prevent from contributing to the game, feel like they have to put the card in the deck, uh, makes it difficult to interact with, especially if you don't have like the specific counter to that card, interact poorly with multiplayer, and lead to repetitive gameplay... That's a lot of things that you're trying to prevent from happening Mm -hmm. that are specifically all of those things are a deck type. Like I read all (laughs) those things and I say, oh, combo. Great. They hate four of the seven things that you've listed here. Uh, Stacks hates three of the seven things that you say here because that's what they try to do. That's the entire purpose of that deck and Mm -hmm. the way that it functions. Mm -hmm. So it... I understand where they're coming from is like, we want to prevent this from being every game as opposed to we want to prevent this from ever happening. So I I get the difference between the two and I appreciate the thought process. Two last notes here. The first one is we're not going to be talking about 
any of the cards that are banned categorically. And there are three categories of cards that are banned, not by individual card name, but due to a quality they have. The first one is anti-cards, which is an old gambling Mm -hmm. mechanic that has long been deprecated. We're not talking about those. We also then have conspiracy cards, which is part of a a draft block called conspiracy. Many of those cards are, are quite popular in Commander, but they also had a a special conspiracy type card that uh, affected outside of the game and it sat in the command zone. It was a whole thing. None of those are allowed. Right. Um, and finally, it was last year, I believe, that Wizards of the Coast uh, made a move to go ahead and universally ban cards, which they felt were uh, offensive to groups of people. So we're not going to be talking about any of those cards. Those uh, Those are kind of not really where we're aiming right now. And the second point was that I've read out the RC's philosophy, but the cards that we suggest to go on or come off of the ban list are not necessarily going to be in line with those philosophies because we have our own ideas. And that's why we had that sort of disclaimer at the beginning that we're not trying to tell the RC what to do or to try to one-up them or tell them they're doing a bad job because our job is easy. We can sit here and, and make decisions that won't impact millions of players right right yeah we could just choose not to play it in our deck the end exactly like, that's i'm gonna affect most of the play groups that i play with by not playing the things that i would normally say oh i don't want to i don't want to play that in my decks um so yeah this is this is like you said it's it's based off our philosophy which is why we're having this podcast it's why we're actually having a discussion about these cards and specifically why we're talking about uh the ban list and some kind of alterations we'd make today alex why don't you go ahead and start us off with our first card that you would like to see unbanned absolutely mike so the first card that i would want to see removed from the ban list is biorhythm it's a Mm -hmm. sorcery for six green green and it reads each player's life total becomes the number of creatures they control so if you control five creatures your life total becomes five if you control zero creatures you lose the game. This card was originally printed in Onslaught, and it's very cheap because no formats play it. Why do why do you think that this card has been banned? Leading off of what they're saying yeah. in kind of their bullet point list, it's it it gives players the ability to win out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Because if if you if you have one indestructible creature, you board wipe and then you play this card, well unless other people have indestructible creatures or a way to flash something out immediately you're going to win the game. So I get it. But I also know that what's the creature that does biorhythm? Biorhythm has a creature corollary and that's Shaman of the Forgotten Ways. Right. A Shaman of the Forgotten Ways is a creature human shaman for 2 and a green. It's a 2/3 and it has the mana ability tap add 2 mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast creature spells. And then it has the formidable ability, nine green green tap. Each player's life total becomes the number of creatures they control. Activate this ability only if you control uh, creatures with total power eight or greater. Right. Now, it's not at all uncommon for a card like this, like Biorhythm, to have a what's effectively a Magus of the Biorhythm. Right, we've seen this before mm. with balance and mages to the balance, things like that, where the the creature sure. is designed to be a a power down version of the spell. The result is that the original is banned and the creature version is not banned. Creatures are easier to remove, 
this creature doesn't have haste, so you have to it, wait a turn. The total yeah. cost is higher, and it also has a limitation. You can't even do it unless you have total power 8 on the board. But from where I'm sitting, winning out of nowhere, I understand where the RC is coming from. Because that's a feels-bad situation, win out of nowhere. Oh, for sure. That said, to win out of nowhere, scare quotes, with Biorhythm, you would have to have a board wipe, which is either a, a one-sided board wipe or... Uh, or like you said, have indestructible creatures. Board wipes at the minimum are typically costing uh, four mana and can cost as as much as seven mana. And then on top of that, you're casting an eight mana sorcery. So conservatively, between 12 and more than 12, 17, 18 mana, two spells, and then having a board state which can survive the situation or having a very specific board wipe which doesn't impact your board state and then also on top of that assuming that no other player has a counter spell for either of those two effects or that they themselves have no indestructible creatures and no way to flash a creature out or activate a man land or anything like that there are a lot of little things that have to fall into into place for this to be a win out of nowhere and on top of that you need at least 12 mana. From where I'm sitting, Mike, this is one of the hardest things to win out of nowhere with. The only counter that I'd have, and I, I agree with you, like I, I would not like losing to this card, but I don't think it should be banned. Mm-hmm. The only disagreement I'd have is, well, what if the player before you wipes the board and then they pass to you and you say, okay, well, I'm going to play this Land of War Elves and then play Biorhythm. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it, it can it can be a nine mana. It could be a if you have an ability to create a token creature for free. You can't win out of nowhere with this without either having a ridiculous amount of mana and resources in the exact right position, or help from somebody else. So i I don't have a I don't have a good enough counter for biorhythm being banned. I hate it. Blah, blah, blah. I don't mind it being on the ban list. I absolutely would have no problem with it being taken off. I see where you're coming from, Mike. When when you're talking about having a specific situation set up that also requires nine mana, my mind is immediately going towards Expropriate, which is a very powerful right. blue spell that uh, I'm sure most people know, but I'll read it here anyway. It's, uh, it's seven blue blue for sorcery. Console's Dilemma. Starting with you, each player votes. For time or money, for each time vote, take an extra turn after this one. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by that voter and gain control of it, then exile expropriate. Now, many people would consider expropriate to be a win-the-game card, and it's very much a win-out-of-nowhere card. You don't have to have a board state to win with expropriate, because you can just steal right. other people's boards and then take at least one extra turn. And if, you're, if your pot is uh, not thinking very much, maybe you're taking more than one extra turn. So mm-hmm. when expropriate costs nine and it can win with no board state and biorhythm costs eight and you need a board state or you need somebody to set you up or else it's costing at least 12. Exactly. But this is banned and expropriate isn't. I just feel that this mm-hmm. is, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous situation that it, that it's on the ban list. It's, it's just not, it's not oppressive enough. It's not messing with the game enough. Um, and there are answers to it beyond beyond counter spells. And and one of the cards that we'll talk about later on has roughly one answer to it in the entire game that isn't a counter spell, and and yet it right. is one of the most popular spells in the whole format. Mike, in my opinion, Biorhythm could come off the ban list, and the 
the world would not end. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't imbalance the game. There'd be a a, a second druid of the forgotten ways or whatever it is. <laughs> that's that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't think this is. I, I think we've started pretty reasonably as far as hey, we should an- unban this card because there's absolutely worse and. Yeah, you can win out of the nowhere, but really, you can't. You have to have a whole lot of things going on for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's always the, you know, niche uh, cases and things like that. But frankly, I don't see it being a big deal. Um, that takes us to our second card here, which I still don't understand why it's banned. Um, Braids, Cabal Minion. Uh, two generic, two black, legendary creature, human minion. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices an artifact, creature, or land. I think there are so many, you know, four or five mana type of aristocratic, I'm going to make people sacrifice stuff because I'm sacrificing stuff. I'm going to punish people. I don't understand why this card is so bad that it shouldn't be... I just don't understand why it's on the ban list. Can you help me out, Alex? What was the, the reasoning behind this? Goodness, Mike, I... I can't even hope to speculate, but we know that there are basically no cards on the ban list. There might be a couple that, that cause players to sacrifice lands is the big one, right? Because sacrificing artifacts sure. and creatures, there's no way it has anything to do with that. Because uh, right. sacrificing artifacts and creatures happens all the time. There's a million cards in this format where you sacrifice those. Sacrificing lands... There's not too many effects that make you sacrifice a land, but there are a lot of effects that destroy your lands, and none right. of those are banned. Like, I get the idea of, because if nobody has anything else, because, okay, let's say you wipe the board, and then you play Braids. Okay, well, at that point, sure, people have to sacrifice lands. I get it. If this card, if, if this card said, or discard a card... There wouldn't be any issue with it. People would be like, oh, yeah, that's not a problem. Is it really just the idea of, oh, this is a card that makes people sacrifice lands? Oh, we can't have a 2-2 that makes people sacrifice a land, potentially, at the beginning of their turn. I, I, I don't understand the, the, the thought process. So this is something we, we might get into a bit later in the episode, but it's possible that this was a card that was at one time part of the banned as commander subset of banned cards. And then when they've removed mm-hmm. the Bandis Commander on the ban list uh, idea, at that time they made changes where some cards were removed from the ban list entirely, um, and then some cards were put onto the full ban list. And okay. I th- am willing to bet that that's what happened to Braid's Cabal Minion, because like as, as docile as she would be in the command zone... As far as stacks commanders in the command zone, I don't even think she would be like in the top twenty. Um, oh no! Like think about Hakori Dust Drinker, just lands don't <laughs> tap, uh, and that's not bad. But and for how docile she is in the command zone, think about how nothing she is in the ninety nine. Like that, right. even even the RC wouldn't mind her being in the ninety nine. And so this is this is speculation because. Uh, some of the bands on the ban list go so far back that there's very little record of them. But if I had to guess, uh, it would be she used to be on the Bandis Commander list and then something just kind of pushed her over the edge, probably the Sacrifice of Land part, such that she just remained on the ban list because, as as we discussed, the RC has this idea where you need a specific 
reason to make the card come off the list. It can't just come off because it's not <laughs> because we were wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> because we were wrong is not a valid option. So yeah, Mike, I I'm now this this I have an alternate have a, theory now. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I think it's just because of the crazy eyes. Like this is this is a very unsettling for a normal looking art. This is a very unsettling card to make eye contact with for too long. This is some of the the best flavor text. It, she says, "Home <laughs> is where you can find a decent graveyard, and strangers can disappear without awkward questions." Yep. I it, it just feels like the waste of a waste of a. I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see this Braids be unbanned, and I, I know you agree with me on that. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not a it's not a crazy effect, but I want to make it, yeah. you know? <laughs> let's, let's talk about our next card here. Coalition Victory, yeah. which is three white, blue, black, red, green. Three in Wooburg, that's mm-hmm. eight mana. For a yep. sorcery that says, you win the game if you control a land of each basic land type and a creature of each color now this card definitely fits into the rc's philosophy of winning out of nowhere but does it that's the thing so (laughs) so number one there what is it bloom tender bloom tender is the only card in the game that i'm aware of that would allow you to uh have fewer than five lands with basic land types on the field and win with this card so either you have between... Hold on. Yeah. What, what about Dryad of the Elysian Grove? Does You're that right. count as well? Dryad of it, the Elysian okay, Grove. So, yeah. Okay, so there's uh, just there's two. like most times when... Yeah, there's two. <laughs> there's two. So those, those cards say uh, lands you control are each basic land type in addition to their other types. So with either of those two creatures, you could win with one Wuber creature and one land and an eight mana spell. But if you don't have either of those two creatures, you would need at least two lands and as many as five lands. Mm-hmm. Because with two lands, you could do the triumphs. Unlikely that you would have two of those. But between two and five lands. But you're going to need more than that because this is an eight mana sorcery. Right. And then you're probably playing this in a Wuber deck because that's the only place you can play it which yeah. may or may not mean your commander is Wooburg. It probably is. And and what I'm talking about here is there are color identity Wooburg commanders like Morophon that are colorless creatures, but their identity is Wooburg because they have a Wooburg ability. Right. Um, and they would not be able to satisfy this clause for Coalition Victory. But something like the Ur-Dragon would be able mm-hmm. to because it has Wooburg and its mana cost. So, quote-unquote out of nowhere, but you need a Wuber creature, presumably your commander, which presumably costs at least five mana. Mm-hmm. And then we'll say three, four, or five lands, because two triumphs seems unlikely. And then this spell, which is eight mana. So eight plus five is 13, plus some lucky land drops. And it's a sorcery. As far as out of nowhere goes, I would put this right over there with Biorhythm. This is very difficult to actually assemble. How do you feel I, 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 I think it's actually more difficult to do this than Biorhythm. Possibly. Because Biorhythm requires 
coalition victory requires you to be able to take care of a bunch of different steps on your board and have no one interact with it as a part of you actually doing something. Yeah, you can't just wipe the board and and then pop this off. Just wipe the board with 12 mana. You need a Wooberg creature. Now, there is... uh, What's that one creature from Ravnica that is Wooberg, but it, it only costs like four I think that's the only way you can you can get out of this. There's one it's it's like an artifact creature, it's colorless, but it has all colors. Yeah. Um, it says that it's all colors and it's protection from like multicolored or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has it has all five colors. Uh, so that the cheapest that you could ever possibly do this without cheating mana costs would be twelve mana. And I think right. most players can agree this may be different for your group. If you're spending twelve mana across multiple cards, and nobody has any response to it, you can win. Yeah, yeah. If you're at a point where if you're at a point where there is no interaction, then there's a bunch of stuff where this. Hey, it would be cool to win with coalition victory. Hooray for the theme! Hooray, Jordan to say. I think the. Uh, but like, eh, you know, I I don't know. I this is one of those things that I like you said. If not because we were wrong was a part of the game and removing things from the ban list. I assume the coalition victory would have come off a long time ago. I agree with you. I think that the other issue is, is that it hits two philosophy points. The first one is went out of nowhere. The second one is that uh, players would feel that they have to include this card. But from, from where I'm sitting, unless you have like a really janky Wooper deck, which is totally fine. I love jank. But unless you're playing like a really janky Wooberg deck, I don't think this is a good enough card to run in most Wooberg decks, Mike. No. It's eight mana. I I have... It's eight mana, it's sorcery speed, and has two different requirements that are not all the... I mean, it's not trivial to cast either. Yeah, after you've got the lands, okay, great. You're you're likely going to have that that requirement fulfilled. It's very unlikely that's going to change. The creature of each color, yeah, maybe you don't have a Wooburg creature. Maybe you've got two creatures that fulfill those. Okay, but they can still get removed. This is still at sorcery speed. There's still yep. a whole lot of things. I This this card, actually, I, I'm going to talk to my playgroup. I'm going to see if they have a problem with me making a, a deck that is only alternate win cons and including this in there and see if I can ever win with any of don't them. Don't forget Battle of Wits. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't. Oh, gosh. <laughs> now that that'll actually be part of it. I'll I'll also include the ones that I still won't be able to win with, and that'll be the <laughs> that'll be the. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It's hey. I I'm going to include some banned cards. Go listen but... to our alt wincon episode. Um, oh God, battle of wits. Now Mike brings up an important point, and that is if this kind of thing frustrates you that these cards are on the ban list, if you agree with where we are, or maybe there's another card on the ban list that we're not talking about that you feel should come off, talk to your playgroup because... Just ask. You can you can work it out with your playgroup. If they agree with you, maybe you can run mm-hmm. that card in your deck. Commander's a casual format. And just because I personally wouldn't do that because that's just not how I play the game, many pods right. are totally fine with it. And Coalition Victory might just be one of those cards. Mike, let's talk about the next uh, card on our list here. Yeah, I think you and I are going to disagree on this one a little bit, actually. Okay. Uh, our our next one is Iona, Shield of Ameria, uh, six generic, three white, 
for legendary creature angel 7-7 with flying, none of that is actually what matters because as I own a shield of Emeria enters the battlefield, choose a color. Your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. Alex, this is one that you brought up, so I'm going to let you take the lead on this. Why do you think Iona should be unbanned? Yeah, Mike. So what we have here is a very expensive commander Mm -hmm. with a very restrictive casting cost. She's six triple white. And she doesn't have any evasion. She is flying so she can get in, but she's not. This is not a Voltron commander. She's not trying to get in. So she no, has no hexproof. No, not at all. She has no indestructible. She has no shroud. Nothing like that. You can remove her, no problem. Um, from what I've heard on the grapevine, the reason why this was banned, obviously your opponents can't cast spells of the chosen color. That's oppressive, right? You can lock people out with that. But for nine mana in mono white, that's a pretty reasonable effect. When you're paying nine mana on a commander, you really want something that's that's extremely impactful. So from what I've been told, and this may or may not be accurate, the reason why Iona was banned was because non-white decks or decks that are multicolored that include white would just entomb her out of the 99 into the graveyard and then reanimate her and get her very early. Like, uh, what's what's our big um, artifact creature? Bloodsteel Colossus. Yeah. Like, you would entomb a Bloodsteel Colossus and reanimate it and get it for nothing. So, from, from my understanding, if Iona is your commander, it's completely, perfectly fine from where I'm sitting. And if she's in your, maybe in your Orzhov deck or your Mardu deck and you just reanimate her for nothing, that's apparently why she got banned. And this may or may not be true, but mm-hmm. it seems to me that a reasonably impactful mono-white commander that is Emrakul-themed, so bonus points, right, <laughs> got banned because other colors could take advantage of it better than mono-white could. And I just feel that shouldn't be. How do you feel about this, Mike? When Iona got banned, I didn't celebrate or anything like that because the first thing that we need to start with is that this isn't a very good card. Mm-hmm. It has a really good effect, but it's not a good card. It's a it's a nine mana creature mm-hmm. that has, like you said, very little evasion. Because okay, I guess flying, but that's okay. You're not putting this out there to attack with it. For me, when they talk about the commander ban list and the the overall philosophy and mission statement about it, all of the actual points that they talk about, I'm. I'm kind of indifferent towards, with the exception of one. I hate being in a game where their third point prevent players from contributing to the game in a meaningful way. I hate that. I I do, I I am with them 100%. I do not want a game where somebody says, well, I can't do anything now. I don't have a way to interact with that. So I'm just going to sit here and chill for a while, I guess. And... If I'm talking about somebody who's playing a, a not mono white deck, but any other kind of mono colored deck, and they're sitting down at an LGS, and well, this is a terrible uh, game for them. Hopefully, one of the other people at the table will do something about it, kind of thing. I 
I don't like a card where its entire existence is to make either one person absolutely miserable and have very little to do, or to just restrict people from playing Magic for the most part, which is why I don't like stacks as much as I don't. I don't hate this card to the point where I'm glad it should be banned. Yeah, ban it. I don't know. Because when it caught banned, I went, okay, cool. If it became unbanned, I wouldn't throw a fit over it. But I'm happy with it there. I just, I, I, I don't like cards that exist just to make somebody not participate. And I know that's the worst case scenario for this card, but that's the one that I go to. Because I think that's when that's why people play it, to make somebody not participate. Yeah, Mike, those are some very cogent arguments, and I don't disagree with you on many of them. Um, I feel that the point of contention here is that this is an example of uh, the crucifixion philosophy that I referred to at the start oh, of the yeah. episode, where, yes, Iona does lock out monocolor players, and she can lock them out real bad. But is she the only thing that locks out monocolor players or is she even the worst one? And I would argue no on both counts <laughs> on both accounts. On both no, counts. you're I, I'm absolutely with you on that. So unless now this is not a, a call to action again, but unless the RC were willing to end the, the crucifixion philosophy and, and ban any card that does what Iona does or similar to it, in my opinion, it is she is unduly punished merely because non-white decks or decks with white in them that are mono-white are able to take advantage of her better. And and that's something that we see pretty consistently, that there are white cards that are on the ban list, and we're not going to talk about most of them, that they're super, super good. And it's not just that they're super good. The reason that they're banned is because multicolored with white exists and like black and white or red, black and white or blue, black and white right are able to take advantage of it way better than mono white. And as, uh, as TCG players, pretty decent puts it, the restrictive casting costs, the idea of a restrictive casting costs like triple white in competitive formats, it doesn't really matter. And in commander, it certainly doesn't matter. Commander's right. mana fixing is really quite second. So, Mike, I, I I think we disagree, but we also, in a way, we agree on Iona. Yeah, this is this is this is our first card where we've had any kind of dissension. It's it's not. I doubt it's going to be the one we have the most on. Oh no! Again, you're absolutely right. This is one of those. There, the, the, even on the when they actually announced the ban list for it, or the ban for it. They said they had previously considered its high mana cost sufficient to keep it from getting played, but deeper mm-hmm. investigation demonstrated many ways of getting it onto the battlefield without paying that mana cost. Mostly in black. Well, yeah, c- congratulations to the game of Commander. There are many ways to get things onto the battlefield without paying its mana cost. Iona is not the most powerful by any means. Agreed. But... I'm also the player to where if Iona existed and somebody played it and it wasn't affecting me, but it was totally ruining somebody else's existence, I'm going to try and get rid of Iona because I don't want to play that game. You know, it's I don't I don't hate that it's on the ban list. I don't think it needs to be banned at the same time. I'm indifferent towards it. I but I understand it being there. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I think we both agree and disagree. Yeah. I think that yeah. you're fine with her being on the ban list because she's oppressive. I'm not fine with her being on the ban list because other things that are more oppressive aren't on the ban list. So I feel kind of like an right. injustice. Yeah. I and, and I get that. It's a why why Iona. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's and, very specific to And I'm really I'm a bleeding heart for, for mono white. Like I don't have a mono sure. white deck, but it's become sort of a personal a pet peeve of mine that Wizards yeah. really does seem to have it out for mono white. And I really don't understand why. But Wizards maybe didn't make someday, this decision. Man. Wizards didn't make the call. This was the RC, so I yeah. don't know. Maybe they're in cahoots. Yep. Who knows? Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk about our next uh, card here. Library of Alexandria. This is a yeah. land, very famous land, uh, from Arabian Nights. It says tap, add a colorless, and it also has tap, draw a card, activate this ability only if you have exactly seven cards in hand. Yeah, so this card is banned in everything. It's banned in Legacy, it's restricted in Vintage, it's definitely banned in Commander. Um, yep. No other format goes far enough back for it to be for it to be banned there. Now, right. this is good. It's a good effect. There's no doubt about it. Sure. Library of Alexandria is a great land. Is Library of Alexandria a ban-worthy land? I would say no. And I'm, I'm saying no because in Commander... The idea of utility lands, there's a lot of competition, right, in a deck for utility mm-hmm. lands. Not every deck is able to run 30-plus utility lands, like some decks we'll talk about in the future. Uh, most decks can really only afford to have between, like, two and nine, depending on how many colors you're running. Um, and they need to be super specific to what your deck is trying to mm-hmm. do or something along those lines rather than... Go ahead. In, in my mind, this land is close to two other existing lands that are not banned. And those two lands are uh, Reliquary Tower and Bazaar of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reliquary Tower is a utility land that says that you have no maximum hand size. And Bazaar of Baghdad uh, says that you, what is it, draw two, discard three. So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll loot two and, uh, and discard three. Um, and that one doesn't have a mana ability. But this one does. And it's difficult in Commander to maintain exactly seven cards in hand. That's not something yeah. that every deck is going to be able to do. And as great as drawing a card for one mana is, and it is great, eh, I just don't think... Like, the, the main concern, in my opinion, I think that if if this were on the Bandless Philosophy document, this is in the category of every player has to run it, right? That's why that's why it's on, yeah. in my opinion. But that, I don't that's think the only one that I could see. I don't think it's good enough that every player would run it. I don't I mean, number one, it's eleven hundred dollars. But say that it were eleven dollars. <laughs> right. Even if it were one one hundredth of the price, I still don't think we would be seeing this in every deck just because it's not as good as it looks. Now in other formats, it might be a different story, right? In Legacy and Vintage, mm-hmm. I have no comment on that. This is probably pretty bonkers. Um but in Commander, I don't know, Mike, how do you feel? I just don't think it's very strong. I don't think... I, I feel like I'm a pretty creative deck builder. I can't think of a whole lot of ways to break this card that wouldn't require so many dang hoops mm-hmm. that it would be worth it to do so. So I, I was actually wondering if this... Was, you're right, it, it's... 
it's the feel like you have to put it into your deck type of card. I also wondered, was this a card that was just extremely expensive almost immediately when it came out, so they banned it as part of that as well? That is quite possible, because as as we talked about at the beginning, that was a valid reason in the RC's opinion to ban Once Upon a Time. Right. That's that's the only thing I can think of here. Because, I again, draw a card, activate this only if you have exactly seven cards in hand on a tap ability for a land. For you to even do anything else, you would have to be able to discard a card at the same time, untap this land, do it some more. I just, I don't know. I, I know there's plenty of effects where you can discard a card to get an effect. But it just seems like there's so many hoops to draw through. No, I, I have no problem with this card whatsoever. I well, there's, mind. Uh, I mean, I'd... there's mind over matter, right? Which is it's like right. four and quadruple blue or whatever it is that's discard a card, tap or untap target artifact creature or land. Um, sure. But at that point, you're talking about like a super powerful enchantment with a huge casting cost that combos with one land in your deck that you can't even really tutor for. Yeah. I, I, it, it, if, if the case is, oh, we don't have this on the legal cards to play because it combos with another card, I, I would like to mm. point to so many other cards thousands um yeah i've got no problem with it i'm with you um i if anybody wants to pay eleven hundred dollars for it feel free Uh, i don't know yeah Yeah, uh moving on to our last Um, one here this is one you wanted to add honorable mention yeah yeah so we we talked about this in a previous episode very recently very recently (laughs) um it just happened to line up that way and in that episode we talked about companion um, for our for our judge's corner and mm-hmm. this card is Lutri the spell chaser which is one is it is it for a legendary creature elemental otter with the companion ability each non-land card in your starting deck has a different name and then it has flash and when Lutri enters the battlefield if you cast it copy target instant or sorcery spell you control you may choose new targets for the copy and it's a 3-2 Lutri is an honorable mention, not because I want Lutri to come off the ban list per se, but this is basically directly related to the conversation we had in a previous episode, I think our one of our more, more recent episodes, so I won't really get too far into it, but in my opinion, Lutri should be unbanned because Companion should not work in Commander. And if you want to hear my thoughts on that, uh, you can listen to our episode. It was our deck building episode. So yeah, Lutri, Lutri's fine in the command zone. Lutri's fine on the 99. The only place Lutri isn't fine is as a companion because, as, as we know, each non-light card in your starting deck has a different name. That's 99 point something percent of all commander decks. Um, and and that's is it plus. So Lutri is fine. Companion is not fine, in my opinion. Um, and we've already had this conversation. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, we can We can move on. Before we move on, well, I'll tell you what, as we move on, we're going to move on to a quick break, and when we come back, we're actually going to talk about some of the cards that are on the opposite side of this, cards that are not currently banned, that we can make a very strong case that they should be uh, for the good of the format in, you know, our own non-expert opinion. So, we will be right back just in a second.
All right, Alex. So looking onto cards that, you know, I'd rather they go away. Um, but I understand at the same time that they might not be able to. We're looking at some of my honorable mentions for cards that should be banned. And I've said it a couple of times on this podcast. I wish that Soul Ring wasn't a card. I wish Arcane Signet wasn't a card. I'm furious that they made Jeweled Lotus. I would like those cards to not exist. At the same time, I can't even in good faith say that should be banned because the only decks that that's actually going to hurt are the decks that need those cards because it's the only way to even try and balance things out. Green just becomes more powerful if you get rid of Soul Ring. Uh, I... I wish they weren't there. I understand they have to be. Thank you for coming to my 30-second TED Talk on why Soul Ring is bad. Moving on, let's talk about some cards that should legitimately be banned. And I know this has kind of been my point, but let's move on to some of the ugh, cards. Uh, the Staxi cards that are extremely oppressive... We're looking at Stasis, one generic, and a blue for an enchantment. Players skip their untap steps. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice Stasis unless you pay one blue. Winter Orb, two generic for an artifact. As long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untap steps. And Static Orb, three generic for an artifact. If it is untapped, players can't untap more than two permanents during their untap steps. Alex, what kind of monsters, what terrible human beings like to play these cards? Uh, and this is where we have somebody do the voiceover thing where it says, Mike's opinions are not the opinions of everybody on this podcast. Go ahead and play your best life. Enjoy your game of magic. Uh, Mike is just super, super salty on the orbs and the stasis. Yeah, Mike. These but why, are, Alex? They're infamous. These are these are by far, in my opinion, these are by far the most infamous stacks pieces in the entire format. Uh, they're all extremely good, cheap in mana cost, and they're and for good reason they're infamous. Yeah. They're they're oh boy, sorry. So, I this is going to be the saltiest I get this entire episode. I promise. They all of their effects are extremely cheap. Stasis and Witch Orb are both two mana. Static Orb is three mana, and. If you're trying to build a stack stack and, and reach what we're talking about is we call hard lock, which is that you've effectively won the game the sense that no other player can take any reasonable action to stop you from winning, even though winning may be a little bit down the way. And due to their low cost, this hard lock with any of these three stack pieces can be assembled extremely rapidly. These are the cards that you would find in, in a CEDH stacks list because of the power of combos that exist in CEDH. And likewise, in competitive formats, if you're playing a competitive stacks deck in Legacy or in Vintage, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of these in there because the faster your format gets, and our format is getting faster, but it's not quite at the area of, of CEDH and Legacy and so on, um, the faster your format gets, the more important stacks becomes. Because stacks is like speed bumps. It stops the fastest people from going very fast, but it also stops everybody from going fast. It brings everybody down to a very similar speed. And the result of that is that in a casual game, like casual commander, 
the game gets really, really slow, and it's really, really not fun. So I don't want anybody to feel that I'm disrespecting the necessity of these cards. They're very important cards as a foil to combo cards. That said, these are more oppressive than almost any other card on the reserve. They're way more oppressive than Iona. They're they're more oppressive than Braid's Cabal Minion. These are... If, if you're just going by cards that are, create field bad situations, make players not able to contribute to the game, what would you name earlier than Stasis Winter Orb and Static Orb? So, as the format currently exists, I don't think realistically they could be banned, but can we stop banning stacks pieces that are worse than them? Or if we're not going to stop, let's go ahead and ban these, right? I mean, Mike, I know you're, you're very emotional about these. Uh, tell, me, tell me how these make you feel. I have said my piece. All right. I have taken several deep breaths uh, to what you said. You don't want to offend anybody or you don't want to tell people that, you know, these are not cards that have a place. They stop things. I totally understand that that's how you feel and you want to make sure that people understand that. Um, I think if you play any of these cards, you're a certain kind of monster. <laughs> that's just that's just who I am as a person. Okay. I get it. I, 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 man, I hate these. I hate stacks. Or at least I hate these stacks, because there's there's different types. Like, I'm still all in on the idea of a Grand Calcatron, because that's a cool stacks thing. But, like, it, when it gets worse is when you find ways to tap the Static Orb and the Winter Orb, and, oh, well, now it's just going to hurt everybody else, and I don't care, ha 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 ha. I, j- I just hate that. It's, it's I hate locks on the game. Win the game... Or play the game, not, hey, everybody is going to exist while I participate in the game until I find a way to actually win. I, whatever. Alex, move on to the next card. I've gotten heated again. <laughs> well, heated is the perfect description for this spell, Mike. Decree of Annihilation, which is a sorcery for 8 red red that reads, Exile all artifacts, creatures, and lands from the battlefield all cards from all graveyards, and all cards from all hands. And it also has cycling five red red. When you cycle, decree of annihilation, destroy all lands. Uh, this card was printed in Scourge and reprinted in, uh, in, the, in the list, and also from the Vault Annihilation. Now, I don't really have a bone to pick with this card specifically, but I feel that this is a criticism that I'm going to level against the ban list as it currently exists. The Bandless as it currently exists has a couple of cards on it, such as Worldfire and Sway of the Stars, that are effectively cards which reset the game, put the game into sudden death, as it were. Those cards basically do the same thing as this card, with the additional effect that they change everyone's life total to a very low number. Worldfire, that number is one. Sway of the Stars, it's seven. Um, And they're costed similarly. Very expensive, very expensive cards in in their mana cost. I feel that if we are trying to be consistent, which I know the RC is not, Decree of Annihilation needs to be on the ban list. Because it's not just a board wipe. It's exiling everything on the battlefield except for enchantments and planeswalkers. Which feels weird. It is weird. But this is is how it was back then. (laughs) This is how it was back then. Um, Exiling all graveyards and exiling all hands. Hmm. What is more of a reset than that? And then you also have cycling, which is very difficult to counter. 
which destroys all lands. So like I said, I don't really have a bone to pick with this card in particular, but if I feel that the the ban list should be more comprehensive and consistent in its composition, and to that end, I feel that Decree of Annihilation should be on the ban list, Mike. Yeah, and then there was the commanders that, that came out, and it says the first card that you cycle each turn doesn't cost any mana to do, and that <laughs> feels very, very gross with this card. Destroy um, land, zero. Yeah, yeah. Bye. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I, I, This is a card that I would be fine with them banning it just because... It's it is a silly effect. I don't. I I'd even be fine with getting rid of it just because it doesn't make sense as far as the color pie. I don't like red exiling stuff. I don't like red exiling stuff except for planeswalkers and enchantments because that's the one thing. Well, the planeswalkers red didn't exist do. when when this sure. But I'm, I'm seeing even if you know you eradicated the card. I'm with you. I I I I don't understand why this card is okay and. There are others that I don't know. Like, Worldfire. like you said, Worldfire is Worldfire at so, least is going to end the game, right? Right. Like when you cast Decree of Annihilation, you're in for another half hour to one hour easily. But with Worldfire, the game's going to end in five minutes. As soon as somebody right. gets a creature down its wings, you're dead. Or or, or lightning bolts. Like, I'm fine with that. You know, yeah. <laughs> at a certain yeah. point, it's like, all right, go for it. At least the game. All right, uh, with this, the the board's reset and everyone's life total is the same. It's it's a reset effect that doesn't actually end the game. I'm, I, I am slightly happy that it is. I, I, as, as I look at the card, I am slightly happier that it says exile instead of destroy. Because that gets around a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't I don't need that but in my life. But it's red. But it's red. <laughs> so, again, my main problem with this card is the color pie. I don't know. I, right. I I do not blame you for for wanting to to either fix this problem or get rid of this card. Either one, I'd be totally fine with. Let's move on to a infamous card because oh my gosh, uh, Necropotence. This is three black enchantment. Skip your draw step. Whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. Pay one life. Exile the top card of your library face down. Put that card into your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Alex, this is one of the more powerful cards in our format, I'd say. Because people Mm -hmm. like drawing cards. People don't mind paying life to draw cards because life is a resource. Some decks love paying life to do stuff. Um, Alex, this card is busted. It's completely busted, Mike. And and in fact, it's so busted that, in my opinion, this falls into the category of every player must run it. Every player with black in the deck and especially mono black decks if you include this card your deck becomes better there's no question about it unless your deck doesn't want to draw a card like if you're a hellbent deck okay sure if you if you need other than that yeah if you need to have a big graveyard for your deck to function maybe but at that point just you you, not all graveyard decks discard into graveyard though some of them entomb right that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's, there's very limited areas where this card doesn't make, even just regardless of mono black, just doesn't make any deck that has black in it better. It's just good, and it doesn't. It's a downside, right? To to uh, make it so that you can't fill your yard by discarding. 
Right. But the downside is so minor compared to the upside exactly. of pay one life and effectively draw a card. But it's even better than drawing a card because you can put out a stacks effect that says players can't draw cards or players can't draw more than one card each turn. Mm-hmm. But you aren't hit by that because technically Necropotence isn't drawing you a card. Yeah. So it's it's so strong. It's banned in Legacy. It's restricted in Vintage. Somehow it's legal in our format. Mike, do you know anybody who wouldn't be willing to pay 20, 30 plus life to draw that many cards? I, I especially, Because you'll just win. Especially when it's something like, okay, I need to do, I need to do something because you're about to win the game. Okay, I'm going to pay 25 life and draw 25 cards to find an answer to stop. It. Uh-huh. Um, is it Grizzlebrand, the, the legendary creature that you pay its seven life to draw seven pay cards? Pay seven life, draw seven cards. Yeah. So that's banned. Now that, that because, should remain banned. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. That's banned because that is a crazy effect, right? Yogmart's bargain. Yeah. Similar. Uh, what is it? Seven mana, six mana, yeah. four black, black. Uh, pay one life, draw a card. Yeah. Uh, um, Necropotence mm-hmm. is cheaper. And the downside of it is not nearly staggering enough. Like, okay, great. You're going to make them wait until the beginning of the next end step to put those cards in your hand. All right. Cool. That's it? That's <laughs> that's that's the end of the list? There's there's a lot of extra end steps that you can put cards into your hand. Uh-huh. It's, this isn't a two-player format, so you can just... Uh, the, the downside of this was supposed to be you have very little time to keep those cards in your hand before you have to clean up and, and get rid of those cards. Right. In Commander, that's not a problem at all. No. You can do this at at the beginning of your end step. You can do this, and then at the beginning of the next end step, you'll draw all those cards, and you don't have to discard any of them until the end of your next turn. Or you draw 25 cards to find your one, I'm not going to discard any cards because I have no max hand size. Like, or you're playing with Lab Man and you have fewer than 40 cards in your library and you just exile all the cards in your library and then draw a card on your upkeep and win on your draw step. Yeah, Necropotence uh, is one of those cards I'm totally fine with not existing. It's because, it again, it's ridiculously powerful, which is not the issue. It's right. There is not a deck that this can go into with the very, very, very rare exceptions where it doesn't make the deck better. Yep. That's it. You put this in your black deck, your black deck becomes better. End of story. Yep. Uh, let's move on to two uh, two big boys. Uh, do you want to go ahead and start with yours? Yeah, I'll argue my place and, and you'll argue your piece. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have a disagreement here because I don't agree with Mike's pick. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he agrees with my pick. But we're gonna we're gonna let it out. These are the Praetors. Yeah. And we're two specific Praetors in question. My <laughs> pick is uh Vorinclex Voice of Hunger, six green green legendary creature Praetor to seven six with trample. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. Okay? It's good mm-hmm. so far. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, that land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. This is a creature. It's a big boy. costs a lot of mana. Big boy. It's a mana doubler with trample. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any evasion, so it's very easy to get rid of. However, sure. that in and of itself is the problem, Mike. Because 
in a game of casual commander, which is where I'm I'm talking about this being played, mm-hmm. it's the controller of Vorinclex versus the rest of the table. And the rest of the table has to come up with a way to remove Vorinclex or else they're not really going to be able to do anything. Right. Um, maybe the maybe the artifact deck can do stuff. Maybe the mana dork deck can do stuff. Most decks can't do anything if you if you start locking their lands down. And the fact of the matter is that the player who draws the short straw and they have the spot removal, the beast within, generous gift, whatever they have, assassin's trophy, they are the ones who get hurt, and the rest of the table is fine. If I tap down three mana for Beast Within to get rid of Vorinclex, that's three mana I'm not getting back. I lost it this turn, I lose it next turn. Everybody else at the table who didn't deal with it is sitting pretty. Vorinclex's player is sitting pretty, comparatively. The the person who is worst off is the person who had to do what had to be done. So you're punishing the correct line of play. And I realize there are ways around this. Obviously, if you have artifacts... If you have mana dorks, you can also float mana if you have instant speed removal. They're very They're specific all the things. Time. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's it's this, not this is really punishing for doing the right thing, Mike. That's why I feel it should be banned. And I understand that. I've I've got no problem with Warnaclex being a card that should be banned. Because uh I think the actual signature line is it's a jerk card for jerks, and I agree. <laughs> um but here's here's my thing. I totally agree and and understand every point that you're making about Vorniclex here. It is a powerful card because it's a mana doubler. It is something that punishes other people for playing the game of magic because you tap lands to cast spells. You cast spells because that's what magic is. Totally understand. I even get the aspect of this card punishes the person to remove it. Because there are very, very few circumstances where you're going to be able to do something about this card without taxing yourself in doing so. If you want to get into the specifics of it, okay, you know what? If I'm, if I'm, if if somebody plays this down and I'm the player to their right, so I'm the last one who's going to get my turn. All right, well, I'll just tell the other people I'll remove it, but you either need to not be a jerk to me because I'm going to take care of it for you, or. I'm not going to remove it until the player before me's end step. Something along those lines. And that gets way too much into it, which is, again, why I agree with you. This is a card that I would be totally fine if it was on the ban list today. If they make an announcement for it tomorrow, Merry Christmas to people who like playing fun magic. Totally fine. <laughs> then we move on to the card that I want to include, not for the same reasons but for very similar ones. Jingataxis, Core Augur, 8 generic, 2 blue, 5-4 with flash. At the beginning of your end step, draw 7 cards. Each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by 7. First of all, if this creature didn't have flash, I, I think I'd be much more okay with it. Because it has flash, because it can totally ruin someone's day just before they go to end step, etc. Fine. But not. <laughs> it's it's a flash creature that says each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven. There are ways to get around that. Yeah, you could have a reliquary tower. But I don't like the idea of, haha, 
I've played this creature, you have a turn to deal with it, otherwise you're top decking for the rest of the game. I can't stand Jin Kataxis. I dislike it more than I do Vorniclex. And I totally understand that's more of a that's that's more of a it makes me angry, not the actual logistics and the strategy behind it. It, it Jingataxis just makes me angrier. Yeah, I see where you're coming from with Jingataxis. Um, it is oppressive. It's extremely oppressive. Now, Flash is relevant. Mm-hmm. It allows you to snipe a player at the beginning of their end step. You flash it in, and then they have only instant speed interaction to deal with it, or they discard their hand. Right. That said, in order to snipe a player, you need to hold 10 mana up. Mm-hmm. This isn't like Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger, where you're sniping, you're sort of sniping them in the future, right? Right. Whoever decides to jump on the grenade is going to sacrifice themselves for everyone else. Jingataxius, you you really have to, to kneecap yourself. You have to basically not take a turn if you want to snipe somebody like that. If you want to do that, yes. The alternative is I'm going to pay 10 mana... And at the beginning of my end step, I'm going to draw seven cards, and everybody yes. has a turn to deal with it, which is right. more but common that's, and also that's bad. More, <laughs> right. That's a more fair way to do it, right? And, right? and in that sense, it doesn't have flash. It is a bit of a modal effect. You can either skip your turn effectively and snipe somebody, or you can not. You can give them a little bit more time to remove them with sorcery speed and draw seven cards. And that flexibility in my opinion, is why I wouldn't put this on the ban list. But again, I would shed not a single tear if Jengataxis was on the ban list tomorrow. Sure. I just wouldn't be out on the picket line for it, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think we both, it, uh, like yeah. like we mentioned before with Iona, I would not cry if Vornaclex is put onto the ban list. You would not cry if Jengataxis was put onto the ban list. You're not going to advocate for it. I, I kind of... Like, I, why are the other Praetors not nearly as good as these two? <laughs> well, we have Shieldred, who is actually somebody who's quite similar to Braid's Cabal Minion. Yeah. Uh, Shieldred is Braid's, uh, Braid's Cabal Minion, except um, rather than having every player sacrifice a creature, artifact, or land, uh, she'll have its controller mm-hmm. reanimate a creature and everybody else sacrifice the creature. And she's also much more expensive. Yeah. Um, Shieldred's... As far as Praetors go, Shieldred's downright fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Second only to uh, to uh, Urbrask, the Hidden, right. which says that uh, creatures you control of haste, other players' creatures enter the battlefield taps. And then Elish Norn, uh, who is very narrow. Right. Right. Elish Norn. <laughs> well, it's mono white. Of course it's narrow. <laughs> right. It's, it's mono white. <laughs> and she's also the prettiest princess in the entire castle. Yeah. I love her so much. And I want to build, this is a tangent, I want to build a meanie mean guy deck with my Judge Promo Phyrexian language gin, uh, Elish Norn. I have seen that, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't built it already just because of She's how gorgeous. gorgeous it is. Um, She's gorgeous. Um, yeah. But but those other ones are, they're more narrow or they're less yep. powerful. But yeah. in my mind, Vornclex is at the top end, closely followed by Jin Kataxias. And maybe if we're if we're talking about uh, things closely related to Praetors, we can talk about Atraxa. Ugh, uh, not no. quite as oppressive, but all around she's very strong. Yeah. The Praetors' voice. Um, 
Predators, predators are always just, oh, nobody likes to see a predator. And especially no one wants to see a predator in the command zone. But yeah, I think we've, I think we've said our piece. Yep. We're both quite similar on this. Um, let's talk Ooh, about. I, I do. I do have a quick question for you. Yeah, yeah. Just based off of that, somebody sits down and they have a Jin Kataxis commander deck. <laughs> somebody else sits down and they have a Vorniclex commander deck. Which one of them are you going to try and target and and remove from the game first? Yeah, I think that I would hit the Vorinclex player first, but this is just a hypothetical because what I thought you were setting up was somebody sits at the table with a Jingataxius deck and somebody sits down with an Emrakul deck. <laughs> Do you mind slay the Jingataxius deck with a uh, Pact of Negation on turn two God, and force them to lose the game? And the was, answer is yes every time. That was that was easily my favorite interaction too. Oh, you're you're playing a Jingataxius deck. That's oh, going to be me. Jingataxius, huh? Oh, and you're doing Mind lots, you're, you're doing also lots of terrible, terrible things on turns one, two, three, and four. Welp, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> that deck, decks that are helmed by Praetors, is why I build some of the decks that I build. Decks that just revel in the punishment of players who overstep their bounds. I... Anyway, this is why we this is why we talk to each other. This is why we're friends. Uh, go ahead and move on to what I think is probably the most commonly known and commonly placed upon why is this not banned card list. Yeah. Go ahead, buddy. You all know it. It's Cyclonic <laughs> Rift. Uh... One in a blue for an instant. Return target non-land permanent. You don't control to its owner's hand. And of course, it has overload for six in a blue which changes the text of the card to read, return each non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. This is, I mean, it doesn't even need an introduction, Mike. It's by far the best board wipe in the format. Mm -hmm. Nothing else even comes close. And what really gets my goat is that it's the best for two different reasons. (laughs) Number one, it's an instant. Most board wipes are not instant speed. Correct. Number two, it's asymmetric. It hits yeah. everyone but you. Yeah. But number three, honorable mention, the best board weapon in the format is in blue. Mike, right. And you know that pisses me <laughs> off because it should have been in white. Yep. The best, can you imagine if the best ramp spell in the format wasn't in green or if the best burn spell in the format wasn't in red or the best reanimation wasn't in black? People wouldn't have it. But somehow... Cyclonic Rift is blue, and it's the best board wipe in the format. And we're just all okay with that, because Mono White is the whipping boy. Mike, this card is, without a doubt, the finest board wipe in the format. It goes in every single blue deck. No question. Hmm. Let's, if you run one board wipe in your blue deck, it's Cyclonic like Rift. Go on. Let's let's go down the list. Cause severe resource imbalances. Well, here's my seven mana non-symmetrical effect. Uh, allow yeah, right players to, allow w- players to win out of uh, nowhere. Seven mana instant. Everybody doesn't get mm-hmm. their stuff anymore. Uh, yep. Cause other players to feel they must play certain cards, even though they are also problematic. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, are very difficult for other That's... players to interact with, especially if doing so requires dedicated narrow responses when deck building. Uh, it's an instant. Oh. Yep. Oh, goodness. Um, Mike, is there only... Correct me if I'm wrong. There is one card... That is not a counterspell in the entire format that stops this card. And that is Teferi's Protection. Right. If you don't have Teferi's Protection, or you're not in blue, so you don't have a counterspell. Right. 
you there's, lose. There's goodbye. not a there's not evasion unless you stop the spell, or you don't exist anymore. There's no there's no counterplay that says permanence you control can't be bounced. Right. It doesn't exist. Interact poorly with the multiplayer nature of the format or specific rules of Commander. <laughs> well, there's that. And Kinda. And then lead to repetitive gameplay. How many times have you... If you're, if you're playing a, a game, mm-hmm. what are the chances you think Cyclonic Rift is going to be cast? In any given game where a blue deck is there, I'm going to say, at worst, it's 50-50. See, like, I, because I'd say with all it, games, I expect, like, I'm in a great play group now. I don't know that it, maybe there's a couple of psych rifts in there. I, I've, des- mm-hmm. I've decided that we have Solemn sim- Simulacrum, that's Sad Robot. This is Sad Tornado. <laughs> this, I, I'd say it's like there is a quarter, there is a 25% chance that if you're playing a game, that somebody either has Psych Rift and is going to try and cast it, or somebody actually casts it. And that's in right. every game. Because it's so good. It's so powerful. So good. It is one of the most... Uh, I win the game now? <laughs> and it's seven mana. And it's not just that it's seven mana. It's six and a blue, which means it's ridiculously easy to splash. Even in a five-color deck, you run this. Mm-hmm. And also, it's never dead because you can just use it for one in a blue and bounce one important. It's it's so it's so versatile. And currently, I believe this is the the number five spell in EDH according to EDH Rec. But it wasn't long ago that this was the number two spell after Soul Ring. Right. It's, it's ludicrously prolific. It's everywhere. Everybody plays this card. It's it's been it's been printed four times, like <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? And it's still twenty bucks. I, I, I stop it. Everybody wants it. Stop making this card. Make it go away, Alex. Why? Why? Why is the best board weapon in the format blue? I can't stand it. It eats me up inside, Mike. That's all I have to say about that. Let's go to your next pick. So this is my last one, and. Do not get me wrong. It is nowhere near the level of Psych Rift needs to be removed. We're, we're going to have a disagreement on this one. And that's and that's totally reasonable. Um, you mentioned why Cyclonic Rift is good, and it's for a lot of reasons. But one of the main reasons, if not the main reason, is because it is instant speed. My card that I want to get rid of just because... Man, it is the biggest groan when it hits the table regardless of what deck you're playing against. I'm tired of Vidalcan Orreries, man. Uh, four mana artifact. You may cast spells as though they had flash. I This is an extremely powerful effect. And that's not my problem. My problem is that when Vidalcan Orrery exists, everything from that point of getting Vidalcan Orrery down onto the table, everything that interacts it becomes instantaneously, ridiculously powerful. There is no better feeling than having a Vidalcan Orrery and a Seedborn Muse down at the same time. That's why Crufix... Uh, what, what is the is the Prophet of Crufix? That card is banned? Yes, the Prophet of Crufix. And I understand this is two cards, and this is it, it's, it's all contingent. I understand. There has not been a point where I've seen Vidalcan Orrery go into a deck and the deck has gotten worse. There is not a point where I have thought, ah, they've played Vidalcan Orrery. Well, that's totally fine. 
I this is one of the more powerful cards that I can think of in the game because of its effect. And they got rid of Paradox Engine because it was a card that basically went into every deck. Or it went into every deck because somebody else had it, so you had to have it. Or because you had to have some way to stop these things. The Dalkin Orrery gives you the ability to interact with anything that could possibly interact with you to stop you from doing Vidalcan Orrery nonsense, and it drives me nuts. Again, it's not nearly to the point of where Cyclonic Rift should be banned because it is just a ridiculously imbalanced and powerful card, and it's a card that goes in every blue deck. It's not to the same level, but man, I I can't Vidalcan Orrery anymore. Well, like number one, I would say uh, watch out for Josh Lequai because he's coming for him. I That's fine. I, I, he it, and he's he's a bigger guy. He works out. He could probably kick me. Like he, oh, yeah, he, he could kick beefy. me to the curb. I'm I understand, but we would have a very civil disagreement where he would tell me about how no, it's 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 it shouldn't be gone. And I, my argument would be why, and it wouldn't be because. <laughs> The argument for keeping this card around is because people like it. It's not because of any of the arguments I'd make against it where it imbalances the game, it gives a ridiculously powerful effect, and it's it's not... Artifacts are really easy to get out there, man. This isn't even like a seven-mana artifact or anything along those lines. It's four. This is a really easy card to get out early into the game and then just say, well... You guys all do whatever you want. I'll 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 take my turn whenever I feel like it. Go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong cuz I understand. <laughs> it is it is good. I won't disagree with you there. It's a good card. It's a good effect, especially for a control deck, but Mike, this card is just not good enough to go into most decks. And I have a colorless deck. I have a stacks deck. That stacks deck does have Leyline of Anticipation, but it could just as easily also have a Dock and Ori, and it doesn't, because that effect isn't free, right? Just because it's valuable, and it it allows you to to play reactively to everything that's happening, that doesn't mean you're not giving up a spot in your deck for it. And as time has gone on, and I think JLK himself has recognized this. It's become more difficult to justify putting in a card like this unless your deck very specifically can benefit from it. Like if it is a reactionary uh, deck, like a, a control deck that is trying to to stop other people from doing anything. But as as good as it is, I don't think it's anywhere near as universal as you as you claim it to be. And I just don't even see it that often because. I think most people are where I am. They just can't justify running it when there's other things they could be running. And I don't think I agree with the with the comparison to Paradox Engine either, which I was not pleased to see banned. But if I had to choose between Paradox Engine and this to get banned, I would choose Paradox Engine. Oh, so would uh, I. They're just they're they're very different. Um, Put it this, this way: this card if, doesn't really cause very much dirtling. If if Cyclonic Rift. In, and my desire to see it banned from the format is a 10. Vidalcan Orrery is probably a 6.5. That high? Um, but then we talk about cards like 
like Vorniclex and Jingataxis, I'd, I'd consider them a five. This like this is me on my own personal crusade <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, you clearly are, man. Where I think the idea of I, dropping a four and doing nothing. My my mouth absolutely dropped when you said that this is a car, and, and maybe I'm completely off base on this, and that's fine. The idea of this card being one that it's hard to justify putting in decks, the only time I could see that being the case is if I was playing a Spellslinger Instance Matter deck. Because otherwise, I have all of the love in the world for playing this with a deck that does ETB triggers. I have all the love in the world for this being a play a whole lot of creatures on the player before me's end step so I have creatures ready to go on my turn for combat or whatever I'm doing. I There are few times to me where I would say, would I take one slot out of my deck for four mana to be able to cast everything at instant speed? And I, I have not run into that yet. But that's, again, that's me. Most of my decks are based off of Every deck that I build, the first thing that I'm worried about is synergy. I want things... I don't combo off, but I want things to be able to work off of each other. So Vidalcan Orrery is much higher in my personal rankings than a lot of other cards probably would be. I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah. You have a lot of decks. How many of those decks run Vidalcan Orrery? One, because that's how many I have, and that's how many I'm willing to have because of how powerful a card it is. If you ask me how many <sighs> could go in, or how many decks I have that could play Vidalcan Orrery, I have currently 17 decks. I think one of them already has it in, so I have 16. I'd say probably 13 or 14 of them would be better with another one. Again, I'm not saying it's bad, but the the 100 is i'm sure you know is it's it's a very competitive list oh sure to get things into uh, we've and we've talked about our deck this, building this just absolutely tends to get edged out yeah yeah um i i have uh i believe i have eight decks now mm-hmm. and one of those decks has an effect like this it has the blue equivalent ley line of anticipation yep. which is two blue blue for an enchantment that says, uh, if Leyland Anticipation is in your opening hand, you may begin the game with it on the battlefield. And it says, you may cast spells as though they had flash. Yep. Um, if you're in blue, I think that's just straight better than it, it Vidal is. It is. I'm not arguing that even a little bit. But it's, but, uh, but it's more narrow, so I'm, I'm, I'm right. less worried about that one. But from where I'm sitting, the if it were that good, and, and that's a very reactive... You know my stack stack. It's, it's a very interested oh, yeah. in stopping people from doing things and punishing people for doing things. This effect is great, but somehow I can't justify having a second one. So sure. that's that's where I am. And like I said, I understand, and this is not a card. I uh, Like you said, I'm not going to protest. If, if the rules committee gave me the opportunity to plead my case, there would be so many things I would want to talk about doing differently in Magic before Vidalcan Orrery came up. Mm-hmm. But for this episode, man, I I am I do not like seeing this card because it just immediately it, for me knowing what it can do and the amount of power it gives somebody to react. Oh, it it's it's almost one of those cards that because it doesn't do anything crazy until it does and there's nothing you can do about it. That's my problem. Uh, to to close us out. We're not going to have our, ooh, can I see that? And we're not going to really have another Judge's Corner. But what I do want to talk about 
are some of the cards that have come off of the ban list. Sure. And we have quite a few of them here. And, and as we go back in time, they've really become stranger and stranger. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what, what cards on this list of cards that have come off the ban list really leaped out at you? So the first one that we talked about, um, cause a couple of these are okay. I test of endurance is on there at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have 50 or more life, you win the game. I get why that wasn't allowed early because yeah, that's a, that's not hard to do in, in a normal game of magic. Sure. But in commander, that's 10 life. That's not crazy, but it's an upkeep trigger, everything, whatever. Fine. I understand. I could not believe that Niv Mizzet, the Firemind was a previously banned <laughs> card because that was the first commander deck that I played. <laughs> like that was, and this is a card that was banned and now has a, out eight reprints, nine reprints. What? How many? How many times did they reprinted this card that was not allowed? Holy cow! Uh, eight times they reprinted. Good lord, that's nine, including the original printing. I, I just, I that's the one that got me the most. And a lot of these other ones, I, I understand they're powerful, but really, like <laughs> we're gonna ban this card? I don't understand. What 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 speaks to you, Alex? You you wanted to bring up this segment because. Well, for my for my sake, wow! There's a lot of cards I wouldn't have expected to have been banned, considering that they're staples in some cases, and in other cases, wow, that's not really that powerful effect. Why is it gone? Yeah, one thing that kind of shocked me first was Crucible of Worlds. Right, this card came off the ban list very early on. I I truly wonder why this card was on the ban list, Mike. It doesn't seem like. It, it doesn't seem like a card that would go in every deck because not every deck runs fetches. Sure. And not every deck runs enough fetches and enough land sacrifice effects that this would be worth it. I I just don't understand. And, and their philosophy was very different back in... Some of these were banned and unbanned in the early 2000s, 2002 to 2006. Mm-hmm. So the, this is ancient history uh, compared to the current format as it stands. Oh, yeah. Before it was even incorporated in, into an official Wizards format. But Crucible of Worlds. And then another one that really stood out to me was Beacon of Immortality. Yeah. <laughs> which is a five five and a white for an instant that says double target player's life total and then shuffle Beacon into its owner's library. Um, the early RC must have really thought that like life total was a big deal. I remember... Uh, in the early, in the early sets, the idea of land walk, island walk, and swamp mm-hmm. walk, and removing land walk and bypassing land walk and blocking land walk, like this idea of land walk, was really heavily pushed in the early format, and eventually they realized it's not really that interesting or strong. Mm-hmm. Um, the beacon of immortality stands out to me as like. Can you imagine if this was on the ban list today? Like, why? <laughs> what? What is what is happening with this card? I mean, maybe in the past, because I know originally when the format was called Elder Dragon Highlander, um, presumably the format was much slower, and the main way to win the game was with combat damage, commander damage specifically. Sure. That's why the commander damage rule exists, was because they were playing with Elder Dragons that have seven power, and as such, it's a three-turn clock. So See, maybe combat was so important that Beacon of Immortality was too good at the time. But that 
while that makes sense, at the same time, winning through combat with Commander is one of the things where, well, that should affect it less because there's one more way to win than there is in any other format, which is through Commander damage, which is something where it and doesn't Commander care damage what your would life ignore this effect. Yeah. I just... Yeah. I don't know. It's I, so strange. It's, it is. I... I I, the other one that was kind of weird to see on here, not because I don't understand it, but uh, Protean Hulk, where it was it was one of those cards that used to be banned and then became unbanned and then such a big staple in CEDH with Flash that they got rid of Flash. <laughs> so this is a card that basically was banned, got unbanned to interact with another card so much to the point where they actually got rid of that other card. Uh, yeah, this this dance had played out a couple of times. Yeah. It, it was it was interesting. I I knew about the the Protean Hulk getting unbanned, and then they had to ban Flash. What I didn't know was this this other more intricate dance where uh, Grindstone got yeah. banned, which is uh, an artifact for one, and it has three and tap at target player mills two cards of two cards that share a color were milled this way. Repeat the process, um, and then that became unbanned and painter servant became banned mm-hmm. which is a two mana artifact creature scarecrow that says as painter servant enters the battlefield choose a color all cards that aren't on the battlefield spells and permanents are the chosen color in addition to their other colors um and then last year painter servant was unbanned and iona was banned yeah so we we had this kind of waltz going on where we're we're crucifying one and absolving the others, right? The, I I knew about the painter servant Iona uh, controversy where the RC said they weren't connected, they didn't unban one and ban the other for that reason. Players said, uh, "Bull crap, you're definitely right. doing that." But <laughs> but going back in time and seeing that they did the same thing with painter servant and grindstone, right. it really weakens their case from where I'm sitting. Like they clearly did it because we're, of Iona. We're totally not doing that thing that we did. Yeah. Um, lastly, Metalworker, which is one of my uh, favorite creatures. Stupid. I can see why this card was bad. It's a three-mana artifact creature construct with tap, reveal any number of artifact cards from your hand, add double colorless for each card revealed this way. In, in an artifact deck, and especially a colorless deck that primarily runs artifact, this is basically a creature version of Guy's Cradle if not stronger. Um, so I can see why they oh, banned it's, it. It's However, <laughs> it's, it's so narrow, right? Sure. You can only do this in an artifact deck that runs a ton of artifacts. Right. Because if you're not running so many artifacts that you're guaranteed to have at least two in your hand most of the time, then you would just replace us with a mana rock and be better off. Yeah, so all of this, that, this did come off the man list. All of that sounds 100% logical and reasonable. Unfortunately, you've tainted my, my opinion of this card so much. <laughs> He's a lasery boy. He just likes lasers. He, he, he just likes making Emrakul come out on turn six. That's okay. Whatever. Turn six, try turn three. See, see, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt there, but now, oh, no. now you're just making me double. We're holding my feet to the fire. I, the the last one that that I wanted to bring up here was the staff of domination. Yeah, Mike, why don't you talk a bit about this? Uh, this is a a three mana artifact with five different activated abilities. Yes. For one, you can untap it. For two, and tap you gain a life. For three, and tap you untap target creature. 
For four and tap, you tap target creature, and for five and tap, you draw a card. Mike, go on. So I actually read this as a three-mana artifact that says somewhere between one and five mana, uh, combo off with whatever thing you're trying to combo off with. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I actually was really surprised seeing this one on the list because this is a card that went from being banned to getting reprinted for Commander Legends, like the deck that cares about cards like this so they went from we don't want to do things where uh you know you're winning the same way or winning out of nowhere to hey here's a three mana artifact that we're going to put back into the game and reprint that just reads as pay a certain amount of a mana to combo off with whatever piece you're comboing off with and because it has so many abilities and can untap itself Alex, it's just so easy for it. This is such a powerful card in the right deck. I Well, sure, it's uh, an infinite mana payoff card. Yeah. And to be clear, it's a solid one. It's one of the better ones. But it's by no means the only infinite mana No, for card. sure. For example, Kenrith was printed in Eldraine. He is an infinite mana payoff card, yeah. and he's a commander. Yeah. I This is not one that I want to I ban by any means. I do like the fact that it, the the handle has all the little all the little different colors of mana sitting in there. Just oh look at me, I'm just a staff. By the way, oh I didn't notice that they're so faded. Right. Well, and, and e- even on the reprint. Um, no, it's I, I'm glad it exists. I I, I saw Rophalos, uh Lanawar emissary, and I got really sad because like oh that would be a cool <laughs> card. Oh wait, that's a two green. Double your mana no. <laughs> and untap it Rophilos. all the time. Ah. Rophalos actually came off of the ban list and then it got put back on. Yeah, because they realized their terrible, terrible mistake. <laughs> it, it's interesting to take a look at the ban list and the ideas behind its existence and more importantly, the philosophy. I, I, I like that they printed out a philosophy and put it out into the world because A, I agree with the philosophy. B, it also makes me understand exactly how hard it is to actually print cards for this format <laughs> because the way things interact and having to keep in mind that there's, I don't know, there's less than a hundred banned cards in commander. I want to say it's like 70 or something. Is that about right? Um, it depends on whether you include the categorically banned cards sure. or not. So the point is, is that when you have to deal with cards that interact with 25,000 cards, it's incredibly hard to do this, and I, like I said, I, I do not envy, and I am not jealous of, the tasks of both wizards and anybody mm-hmm. trying to make the rules for this format. What about you, man? Yeah, the RC suffers a lot of abuse, and and that'll be my sign-off message mm-hmm. here. Is no matter how you feel about this game, about the state of the the rules, the state of the ban list, mm-hmm. um, how you feel about Wizards Princing, Secret Lair of the Walking Dead, or any other cards that you feel are inappropriate. Whole, don't be mean. Whole Breacher and Opposition rude. Agent. Don't, don't, <laughs> whole Breacher and Opposition Agent. No card and no situation is bad enough that you need to threaten or harass anybody in Wizards or on the Rules Committee or anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rules Committee received death threats mike when when they announced that they weren't banning the walking dead cards right and people number one 
what the hell, guys. But number two, people really need to chill. Oh, yeah. It's it's not the end of the world. And it's definitely not worth causing someone else to have a bad day or to to be fearful of their life because you don't like a card that got printed or you don't like a card that got banned or unbanned. It's it's a casual format, guys. We just all need to get along here. The RC has a hard job. Sheldon is is a very sick man, mm-hmm. and not sick in the sense of like, oh, he's sick and twisted. He's he's ill. No, best wishes um, to Sheldon. Best wishes to Sheldon. We we have great respect for the RC, and and this was just a fun exercise that we did. Absolutely. And if anybody has any kind of hate that they do, they just can't contain, and they need to send, go ahead and contact us at Twitter on at EDH underscore social, and uh, email us at the social contract EDH at gmail No, I'm calling for, listen, if you've got some hate, send it my way, because I'm really good at deleting things without paying attention to it, so no worries. The Dawkin Orrery mic? Really? See? Really, Mike? I'm already really? prepared. I'm already prepared for it. Alex, thank you very much for joining us this week. It's always a pleasure, Mike. So that's going to do it for us this week. I'd love to talk more, but Alex has banned me from doing so. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.